Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I gotta ask a question. What odd smell do you normally enjoy? (laughs) Okay. Perhaps Uh, your best question in a long time. (laughs) It's a weird one. It's a little Um, odd, right? So I don't know if I enjoy this smell, um, but I, I feel compelled to keep smelling it. So I love we'll, we'll just go. <laughs> That's go strange. That. So you, you, you ever smelled the inside of a tennis ball can? Like when you first open up not. a can mm. of, of tennis balls, there's like a, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. And I don't know if it's a good or bad smell. I just, every time I'm like, huh, I got to smell it again. Almost like my brain's trying to figure it out. And so I keep coming back to it. I've never smelled tennis balls. It's, it's a unique thing. That is a good moment. Cracking open a fresh can of tennis balls. Everything from the sound it makes to the smell. That's a good one, Clayton. Yeah. Fresh. It is good. Do you play tennis? No, but I mean, occasionally in the past, Michelle and I have gone and, you know, just kind of. So this is not, hit, a, hit balls this back is not a moment you get to enjoy often. No, this is not a regular thing. Mm. How about you, Eric? Okay, I have, I have two answers. One is gasoline. Okay. Yeah, maybe. The other is, and this might just be a southern thing. I don't know if northern lawns have a lot of onions in them. But I, for whatever reason, when we were when I lived in Tennessee and I would mow the grass and we had a lot of onions in the lawn, that is a very pungent smell. And I enjoyed it. A fresh cut lawn with a lot of onion in it. Nice. I, I don't think I've ever known of having onions in your lawn. I mean- in our in our garden, there are things that it's like oh you walk no, by not it, like, you not smell like, it. They're not like, like wild un- onions, right? Yeah, like yeah. they grow kind of they look almost like scallions. Yeah, yeah, and so they'll just grow in grow in a yard. They're kind of like a weed, but in the mm-hmm. south you get more of them because of the nature of the soil. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I actually have two. Um, the first one is hand sanitizer. Okay, now this is like a a COVID thing, right? Like I didn't realize it until I was actually using it on a regular on a regular basis. But I like the smell of hand sanitizer. Second one. Maybe this is along the lines of the gasoline or exhaust or something, but when I was a kid, I loved the smell of that would come from like riding a four wheeler. Like there is a certain kind of like smell that comes from them. So I don't know if that's a mixture of gasoline and exhaust, but when I smell four wheeler smell, that's what I like it. I don't like either of those <laughs> smells. Like I, I kind of feel I, I kind of feel a headache coming on as I'm thinking about both hand sanitizer and exhaust from a, a little engine. Apparently he and I like very pungent <laughs> smells, Eric Clayton, and I. <laughs> Clayton doesn't have time for your four-wheeler smell. He's too busy huffing tennis cans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Clayton, what are we looking at today? All right, we are in a new book of the Bible, although it should be a little bit familiar because we just finished up 1 Corinthians, and guess what comes after 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians. So, uh, this is another letter of Paul to the same group of people. It comes uh, a little while after that. And uh, he is writing to them again about concerns in their church. This is kind of the, you know, typical thing for Paul in a letter. He's addressing situations that they're going through. And it's interesting, leading up to the passage we're going to look at in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul actually is talking about his own ministry. And he is saying, when people look at what I'm doing, I'm going around, I'm, I'm telling people about Jesus, but it's rough going. Sometimes when people hear the message of, of Christ, it smells like life to them. And to other people, it smells like death. Tennis balls. Tennis <laughs> balls. <laughs> and so he is continuing to make a contrast of when people hear the message and when people encounter uh, Christ, how they see him and how they experience him. And some people it's wonderful and other people, they just don't get it. So this passage is about that. We are gonna start in chapter three, verse seven. 
Oh. That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. Is 2 Corinthians just a continuation of 1 Corinthians? Is it the sequel? Well, you might think so. That's why you never start reading a book of the Bible at chapter 1, verse 1. When you're starting a new book of the Bible, always start with the introduction in a good study Bible or watch the Bible project video about that book of the Bible. That way, when you start at chapter 1, verse 1, you'll be set up and knowing what to expect and how to read that book really, really well. And this has been your comma tip of the week. Nice. That's a good one. All right. So it's chapter three, starting in verse seven. Am I reading to the end of this chapter, Clayton? That's right. All right. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It's not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. All right. We are going to go to the O in comma, which is observation. This is where we look at the passage, pick out some details, and say what's actually here. And I'll actually start this one out because there's probably some things that when you first hear it, you might be saying, I'm not even sure what they're talking about. So let me give you the big picture. You probably noticed the name Moses came up a few times here. So what Paul is doing is he is making a contrast with Moses and Jesus. And so he's saying, Moses, when he made a covenant with God, when the people of Israel made a covenant with God, Moses went up on the mountain, and when he went up on the mountain, it was glorious. There was thunder, there was lightning, there was you know, pillars of fire and cloud and all sorts of miracles and things that were happening, and that was amazing. But now Paul is saying, if that was amazing, and it's not even the, the final thing, when Jesus shows up, what happens here has got to be even more glorious. So, if you're saying, what, what's all the stuff about the glory and the, the, the mountain and Moses and all that? It's a simple contrast between when Moses went to go talk with God and now Jesus has come to speak with us and how those two things are similar and different. Yeah, and when I was reading this passage, uh, that first section is very like poetic. It's like poetically written. It's very beautiful if you know the background and you know the contrast that they're trying to make. Um, But you really kind of got to read it a couple times. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of... um, just a, a lot of creativity in the way he writes, a lot of vivid de- depictions of things. And so I, I really did appreciate that. Here's one of the, the things that I thought right away. Um, it's actually jumping all the way down to verse 18. It says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. I thought to myself, gosh, how often do I contemplate the Lord's glory? I, like I asked myself that question. How often do I stop and think about how glorious he actually is? 
really made me made me stop and think. We're into observations, right? That's right. All right. I we never really said it out loud, did we? Or was I not paying no, attention did. to we this did. episode? We did? <laughs> we did, yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the episode. All right. So, uh, repeating words and phrases. Glory, mm-hmm. and all forms of glory, glorious, glory, uh, and then spirit. I, I see those are two observations, that glory is repeated a lot, and spirit is repeated a lot. Let's talk about that word glory, because it's one that if you're in church world, you hear all the time. It's in songs, and it's in Bible verses and stuff. Uh, but I recently had someone say to me, like, what, what does that even mean? You know, and, and I even, as I was starting to explain it, realized, oh, this is kind of a, a slippery kind of concept. It's not always clear. It might mean a few different things in different places. So, uh, when you guys hear the word glory, what meanings come to mind? What associations come to mind? Um, sometimes I look at the word glory as if it's like this, um, like power and beauty, you know, or maybe even a combination of the two. The first word that comes to my mind is presence. When, you, when, when God is present, it is glorious mm-hmm. and, and it's the, the words to me are almost interchangeable. God's glory is his presence and his presence is glory, which can't be said of me and the two of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I feel like there are kind of two, depending on the passage in scripture, it's almost like two directions that it goes. One is sort of like what, uh, Eric, you're talking about, like when, uh, God is present, it's, it's like you're seeing, and, and Nikki, you said this, like his beauty, like the amazing things about him are kind of shining forth. It almost, it sounds silly to say, but it's almost like a bright light or something shiny, you know what I mean? But, you know, way bigger than that. Um, so there's something about be, encountering God and seeing him more for who he is than you normally do that is is glorious. You're seeing his glory. Then there's like the reverse side, which is when you give glory to God, where you're saying you are amazing. It's it's almost um, giving praise or honor or declaring what's so great. It's it's pointing to him and saying, look at that. That's amazing. And so it's kind of, depending on the, the passage, it seems kind of going two different directions. This feels more like the first, like when we encounter this, we see something beautiful, something amazing. The presence of God shows us something about him that um, blows us away. Yeah, so in verse, gosh, what is it, seven? It is seven, where it says, now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, and then the phrase transitory though it was. So Moses goes up on the mountain. He's in God's presence, God's glory. And he comes down the mountain with the covenant and his face is shining Mm -hmm. because he has been in the glory of God. And there's so much glory radiating from his face, even though it's just a reflection of God's glory, that he has to veil his face. The people can't even look steadily at Moses's face. So it's kind of like the moonlight, right? We all know the moon does not radiate its own light the reflection of sunlight. So it's the same kind of thing going on with Moses when he comes down the mountain. Yeah, one of the things that I, I saw as well is uh, in verse 12, um, it says, therefore, right? So in light of all of these things that we have in this new covenant, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Um, and I thought, I wonder, like, I wonder if a lot of people think of that when they think of the gospel. Like, does the gospel make us as bold, like as bold as we should be with it, you know, like the, the freedom that comes from this new covenant, Jesus coming, what does hope and boldness look like? Yeah, there's something about the contrast between Moses covering his face 
and Paul saying, hey, we're out here just declaring this. Yeah. Like there's something, there, the posture is a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's something that's that's holding back in the first version and there's something that's that's just pouring over mm-hmm. in, the, in the second version. I, I thought there was a, an interesting contrast between the, the language where it talks about Moses and Jesus and it talks about the ministry that brought death and it's talking about it kind of in this negative way. And then the ministry of the spirit, the, the, the ministry that brought condemnation is one and then the ministry that brings righteousness. And so Paul is really highlighting the uh, insufficiency, the, the limitations of the old covenant. In other places, Paul's really clear. There, there's wonderful things. He's always quoting the old Testament. He's always referring back to Moses. It's good, um, but it wasn't enough. And I think some of that comes from that that word. Uh, it's it's transitory. It wasn't enough. It wasn't meant to be the whole thing. It wasn't uh, meant for forever. And when what it did was a part of the process, which was to say, these laws, the this uh, standard that God has, is something that is wonderful and great if you could meet it. Like if you could actually do this, it would be a life well lived. It would put you in good standing before God. But that's not the case. And so what it's done is it's left you condemned. And just on the hook to die. And so to look at that and sort of say this, even that was glorious. The part that at the end of the day was not enough was amazing. How much more the, the completion of that that says, here's a way to have righteousness and life and it will last forever. Um, sometimes sometimes I, I, I was thinking about this, like a, you, you ever watch like a Moses movie, right? Like Prince of Egypt or one of the old ones. Like the reason they do those movies is because the stuff that happened was crazy incredible crossing the Red Sea, all of these miracles and plagues and the mountain scene. Like it's just, it's visually impressive. Uh, it's emotionally, Im- Im- you know, impactful. And we look at that and say, man, that would be incredible. Wouldn't it have been amazing to be there for all of those things? And Paul's saying, well, how much more glorious is it that the son of God showed up and saved us? Like that's even more incredible than this truly amazing thing. Another observation is starting in verse 13, how often the word veil or veiling is used. And he seems to be saying those who read the Old Testament covenant, their their minds, their eyes are veiled uh, because they don't know that that's transitory. They don't know that there's a completion of this story, that there's something more, that there's something better. But as soon as you come to understand Christ and what happens when the spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, you recognize the old covenant as good, but you recognize it as good because it's the beginning of something better. Uh, if you think it's the whole thing, it's condemning and not life. I think of the, the story where Jesus is talking to some uh, Pharisees, some religious leaders, and he says, you, you study the Bible, you, you search for it, and you think you're going to find life there, but you miss it because you don't see that it's about me. And there's something... Um, like it's it's like a, a a movie that has a part two that if you just keep watching the first one when the second ones come out you're like why do you keep going back to that same story it's incomplete why don't you watch the second one and they're like well I'm looking for the you know the the, the big conclusion I'm looking for the it's like well no you're not going to get it unless you watch the second movie and so um, there's there's something wonderful and yet um, ultimately futile uh, by staying there yeah verse sixteen it says but but whenever anyone turns to the Lord Jesus right the veil is taken away. Then verse 17 says, now the Lord is the spirit, right? And it's like, but but isn't Jesus Jesus? And then the spirit's the spirit, right? Well, that's the Trinity, right? It's same. They're all the same, but they each equally have their own own parts. Yeah, this is one of the clearest places where uh, the divinity of the spirit Mm -hmm. is just said. 
So we think of the word Lord sometimes as like, oh, it's just a title. It's like king or something like that. But if you're reading the Old Testament, if you've been reading through the Bible, you know that when the word Lord comes up, it's it means the name of God. It's a it's a a, a pointing to specifically God who revealed Himself on on Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. And so to say the Lord is the Spirit is to say when when the Spirit of God is on you, we're not just talking about some you know force that's out there. It it's God Himself. It's it, it's it's Him. It's not something from Him. It is Him. And so mm-hmm. that's incredible. Like you, you think about Moses going up on the mountain encountering God, and now Paul's saying no, but that same God that he encountered is in you and on you and moving, and mm-hmm. that's amazing. Verse 18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. It's an interesting thing to think about gradually increasing glory, incremental progress. I imagine how, how much of God's glory could he reveal to us in any one moment before we would just die? Mm. <laughs> right? Like when Moses goes up the mountain, I can't imagine that he saw God in all of his glory because I don't think anyone could survive that. Yeah. So how much of God's glory did he actually reveal to Moses? And I find it interesting that once the spirit of the living God comes and lives on the inside of us, that our lives are actually gradually becoming more and more glorious. That's just such a fun thought. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the... And the upper limit on that is is sky high. You know what I mean? Sometimes I think sometimes our aspiration of what God could do in our life um, is like there's 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 two there's two poles. Some people are so impatient. They're like, why why am I not changing faster? And they need to hear, well, it's gradual. It's an ever increasing thing. But other people, their expectation is, I'm kind of going to be stuck. Like there's a ceiling. I'm I'm really only going to be so good, and I'm always going to be struggling with the same things forever. And they. It's like, no, you're going to be in the image of Christ. You're going to have the glory of God in your life. You're going to be reflecting the very beauty and power of God. Like that's, that's incredible aspiration, but also that realism of saying, no, it's ever increasing. It's a steady thing. It doesn't happen, you know, in a snap of your fingers. All right, let's go on to the first M and comma, and we will uh, do meditation first this time. You can do either the message or the meditation first, and we'll uh, take our meditation from verse 18, the one we've been talking about here at the end, uh, where it says this. I'm going to give you 45 seconds uh, to contemplate this. It says, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. Right. Let's talk about the second M in comma, which is message. How will you sum up in a sentence or so something you got out of this passage? Uh, My message comes from um, that verse 12 there, uh, and it's our hope in the Lord gives us the boldness and freedom to live for him. Mine would be similar. The hope and freedom that we have in the Lord means I'm never stuck. 
that there's always progress, that I'm, I'm going from glory to glory. Things can be continually be getting better and better and better. My message is the more you look at Jesus, the more you look like Jesus. So I love that idea of we're, we're contemplating the Lord's glory. We're looking at him and then we're being transformed into that glory. That's, that's incredible. Like that's, that's such a cool dynamic and not usually the way I think about transformation. Um, usually I think I got to just try harder, try harder. And this is the, the idea that if you just look more, you love more, you delight more, uh, you become more like Jesus. All right, let's talk about application. So what do you do in response to all this? My application in, in line with my message was uh, continuous trust and turning to the Lord um, is going to lead me to continuous transformation and to, it, transforming into his image. So kind of similar to what Eric's message was, but it, it's because it's, it's so hard to, to not pick up on. Like if God says that we are going to be uh, transformed into his image, there's something he's going to continue through to completion. Like, well, okay, then what's our part in it? For me, it's trust, and it's a continuous turning to the Lord. My application is almost going to sound like a message again, but it is, if I'm stuck, I'm not really stuck. I'm just choosing to be stuck. I'm never really definitively stuck. That is not life in Christ. Life mm. in Christ is hope and freedom and glory and progress from glory to glory, ever-increasing glory. So it is never true that I am definitively stuck. And I know that sounds messagey, but when I look at my life and say, well, that's probably never going to change, or it might get marginally better, but probably never really radically different and just free, it's not true. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, stuckness is always false. Like that's, no, I should be thinking about my message, but I, I like that a lot because there, there are times when you both feel despair like it's never going to change. There's also times when you get apathetic. And so just to know, you can't just act like that's always going to be that way. You got to do something. So that's great. Um, mine, which was talking about looking at Jesus, um, it's it's fairly simple. It's, it's simply looking at Jesus in a passage of scripture that describes what he's like and contemplating that. We often talk about praying the attributes of God. Uh, we've got a whole list that we put together on our, our website uh, of all the attributes of God. To, to pray those things is both honoring to God, it's it lifts up your heart and you say, oh, God is amazing, but it also is transforming you. And so to spend time actually doing that and slowing down to say, I'm going to contemplate what God is like uh, is a really powerful thing. All right. Well, thanks for listening this week, friends. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can go to BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>